Christmas has been a season of gift giving for a long time, hasn't it? It really has. But I don't know if you've really watched or gone back, taken the time to go back and look at where all that came from. The original gifts are recorded in this passage. That's where it started. But it has been a season of gift giving. And the best that we can study in history is this, that we can go back to the 4th century and we find in the 4th century that there is a Christian bishop that may well have been named after he was sanctified, that he was called St. Nicholas. Now, it's interesting to read about him because we don't know a lot about him. He probably was the bishop of Lycia. We know further that there's some incredible stories about this individual. In fact, one story is that there were some young ladies and the father and there was uh, poverty in this case and that uh, Nicholas was one that had some, some money and uh, he uh, may have well have given three bags of gold for these three daughters and uh, the dowries would not have to be earned through prostitution or some other means. So uh, that was something that is, is recorded there. The other story is quite gross. It's a bizarre story. It's about three little boys that had been cut up by a butcher for bacon. I'm to kid you not. It's recorded in uh, history, and, or at least history that we have, and that, that Nicholas was used of God to perform a miracle. And this is one of those things that you know from the Catholic Church that they sometimes will make someone a saint if there is a bona fide miracle. But the story goes that these three boys were made alive again, brought back to life, and that is what went on. Well, let's get on some more concrete things that we can follow. We do know that uh, in... uh, History, we can map gift-giving related to Christmas starting on December 5th when in Holland they would have their Dutch children put out, guess what, their wooden shoes in front of the fireplace or the place where they would cook and prepare meals. And they would put that out the night before December 5th and magically... Thanks to the magic of Christmas, right? Since we have children in the house, I'm not going to say any more than that. All right? But there was candy and sometimes a small made toy that were placed in the shoes on December 5th. And uh, the Americanization of this activity is very traceable because we can see it in the poet uh, Clement Moore when he published A Visit from St. Nicholas in 1822, beginning with these familiar words, "'Twas the night before Christmas." "'Twas the night before Christmas and all through.'" See, you can quote it with me, can't you? The thing is, we'll get down so far in the story and then you'll go blank on what's the next line, right? Right? But you know how it goes, and you've heard it. But it's very tied to that as being that there was a key gift-giving. Now, where it came from the culture, and that saw, that poem uh, verbalized that, or that was some of what took place. Now, to the Magi, the passage we're at today. The Magi 
have had all kinds of things said, written, and sung about them. One of the songs that's written about them is We Three Kings of Orient Are. Now in that song, we know now in history that several things they say in that song are not right. But we know this. There is evidence. There's no evidence that there were three of them. We have three gifts. Always pay attention to the scriptures. It'll let you know what's really going on. We had three gifts. It's practical to assume there was probably three of them, but it's not there. They, uh, the song would say that they're from the Orient, and we simply don't know that. What, what we do know, it was somewhere east of Bethlehem, perhaps the land of the Medes or the Persians, but it could have been Asia or India. The King James calls the Magi by a different name. The King James called them wise men. Well, I want to tell you, there is wisdom in looking at the Magi. They were extremely wise. How do I know that? Because uh, best we know, they were astrologers. But uh, we know that they looked at this evidence of a star, and it caused them to believe that this was tied to the Messiah, the king that was coming. And the story picks up there. I want you to look at the wisdom that they do give to us, and today I'm just going to do two major truths from this because that will help me keep it a little shorter. Usually I do three, four, five, you know. But today I'm just going to share with you two. Wisdom is seen in their willingness to follow his star. Wisdom is always found when God gives you indicators and moves you by his spirit and shows you this is truth. This is the way. This is light to your path. You're wise if you follow that. You're wise if you follow that. I wanted to share with you the star appears four times. You'll find it in verse 2 where it says there, Where is the one that has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod, this is in verse 7. When Herod called the Magi secretly, he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And then you come down and you'll notice that in verse 9 and 10 it says in, uh, these words, Then uh, after he had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. Isn't that amazing? We don't see stars moving in the upper atmosphere the heavens as the bible speaks about but in this particular case the star seemed to move guide them we have this superior guide that's called the holy spirit of god amen the third person of the godhead the one that when jesus rose from the dead he made it possible for god to live in us and guide us And show us, the Bible says that he will remind us of what Jesus said. The Bible says that he will teach us in all things. I have this guide, he lives in me, the Holy Spirit, that guides me in truth. And you should be so thankful because I I wasn't even able to come to God until the Spirit of God revealed to me who Jesus is. I couldn't follow God until the Spirit of God called me and beckoned me to Christ. I share those things today because he's so important that we realize we need help getting there. 
we needed some guidance. We needed some instruction to get to Jesus, didn't we? And to know who he is. But in that passage, we see also in verse 10, it says, When they saw his star, they were overjoyed. When God gave you guidance, when God has somebody that was a witness point you the way, when God gave you what you needed to do to realize who Jesus is and to come to him, you should be fired up about that, shouldn't you? Man, if you had somebody that was a friend that talked to you about God, you should be so thrilled that they talked to you about God. I had people like that in my life. I had a football buddy that talked to me about Christ. I had others in the church where I was attending. I wasn't saved yet at the East Williamson Baptist Church in Williamson, West Virginia that faithfully shared with me the good news of Christ and continued to show me what it was like to follow him. And I am so appreciative for those guides along the way, the stars in my life that pointed me to Jesus and said, this is the way. I'm so glad that I've had so many people like that throughout these years, and I've had God's Holy Spirit that knocked on my heart's door and said, Barry Jude, follow me. Here's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He will change your life. He'll set you free. It's so important we come to that reality. And you'll notice that in the scriptures, here's what's so important. The Bible reveals to us that we're judged on what we know. Did you know you're judged on what you know? It's so important you know that. The Bible says this in this scripture found in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's some interesting wordplay there. In other words, this equaled righteousness. Here's somebody in the Old Testament, but they're following God for what they know and what they've seen and what they've heard. And the Bible says that it was credited to them. It equaled righteousness. How about that? We read that about Abraham. Then we read passages like the book of James. And boy, is this a warning to people like me. He says, not many of you should presume to be teachers. My brothers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. The more you know, the more you're accountable for. The more you understand, the more you've got to answer for. You see, God gives knowledge like that, and he expects us to obey it. I love what John Maxwell wrote a few years ago. He says, you know what's wrong with the church? Let me tell you what's wrong with the church, pastors. I was a pastor for many years. Now I work as somebody helping pastors and helping church leaders to deal with the matters in the church. He said the church is far more educated than what they ever are obedient. Did you hear that? That's a deep statement, but it's so true. We hear a message and another message and we read our Bible and we hear and we hear and we hear and the Bible tells us we're not really hearing unless we are doing. Amen, whoever filled that in, brother, bless you. Listen, it is. When we're doing, that's when we are obeying. That's when you've taken what you have been given by God and you live that out in a translated state and the translated state is obedience. That's what you are living out, what you know you're accountable for. Listen to this. There's wisdom also seen in their lives, in their worship of the Savior. Now, if you get to 
past all the star and all the stuff about Herod and all the carrying on that went on in this story, when it comes down to it, when they got to Jesus, they just did one thing. And when you get to Jesus, and yesterday we were out shopping because we're not finished. And the reason I know we're not finished is because my wife said, we are not finished. And it was plural yesterday, which meant I'm going along. And I did. And I bought a gift or two for people that I usually pick out things for. And yes, we're caught in the hustle and bustle. We went to the Outlet Mall here in Grand Prairie last night. Did you know that you could only go into one store there, 75 people at a time, and they had you stand in line outside? Now, I I stood there and I thought, this is nuts. Something's wrong with us folks that we're going to stand in line to go shopping, right? And, uh, of course, my message last night is we should have done this ahead of time. (laughs) We should have done all this yesterday and the day before and the day before. It's getting crazy out there. This morning on my way to church, I thought, wow, I've never been to church this late before. I'm driving from our house, and there were all kinds of people on the road. The roads were busy, 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 busy. But they didn't turn in here at the Oaks. They went shopping. Well, God bless them. They should have come here. Amen? Listen to this. There's wisdom in following the guidance God gives to you like the wise men or the magi followed his star. But it all comes down. Are are you willing to worship him? Listen to this. Wisdom wisdom is seen in their worship of the Savior. In verse 2, it says these words, the wisdom shines forth in their quest for the Messiah. And in Hebrews chapter 11, what are we told? He says, for all of us, Listen to the words, and without faith, it's impossible. Did you hear what I read? It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. You've got to be a looker, a seeker of God before you will ever find him. If you're not willing to look and to seek, you will not find. It's important that you understand that that's part of the criteria. God wants you to believe in him. He wants you to believe that he exists and that he rewards those that do what? Now, here's the bombshell. If you seek him, here's the bombshell. If you seek him, here's the bombshell. If you seek him, you will find God. Period. Same thing this Christmas. You've got to tuck away in your heart time to worship him. One of the things we've done for many years is read Luke chapter 2. When we had little guys, this was just something we did. Before everybody went to bed, that was going to be a reading and a discussion about Jesus and what Christmas is all about. Gift giving. Oh, that's fun. But give a gift to the one that's above all of us, the one who had the birthday in the first place. The Bible says they sought him, they bowed before him in verse 11. When the quest was completed, 
when they found him, they went in and they worshipped him, they sought him, they bowed before him, and then last of all, what did they do? They gave him gifts. We've got this thing twisted. I don't need another pair of socks. Well, maybe I do. I don't need more stuff. Have you ever noticed that there's some people in your family, you can't figure out what to give them? So we've gotten creative the last few years and started giving them gift cards, amen? You there? Listen, you today have a unique opportunity. Your church, your pastor is making available to you a concrete way to give to Christ this Christmas. In the first Christmas, what did they give? They gave gold, represents even still today the best material, the most expensive material, the most valued material on planet earth, unless you're a diamond person. Frankincense was used to burn for the offerings, was all a part of temple worship and was used in other ways. Myrrh represented gifts that had been made by the knowledge that God had given us and we had acquired and we had made by hand and there's gifts there for humanity where there were, they were created. Uh, myrrh was used for anointing. It was used as an antiseptic. It was used as a stimulant. It's just amazing all the things that came from that knowledge that God gave. And there's an array of gifts that were given to Jesus. Now how did baby Jesus use all those gifts? I can't fill in the blank there, but he still receives gifts today from wise people that love him and have followed his guidance in their life. And wise men and wise ladies, magi of today, they come bearing gifts to Jesus. Today you need to, may offer your, your life to him and let him be your Lord and Savior and take away your sin. That's where you start the journey. He died on the cross and rose again for you. Here's what you may need to do as well. You may have been following Christ and you, you're away from him right now. It happens a lot where people show up at Christmas services or near Christmas and also around Easter. Let that change today and that you have a heart that's revived and you give yourself fully back to God. And for many of you that are Christians, I am asking you to do something very, very special. In a few minutes... I'm going to ask you after we've had a brief time of invitation and we're going to have an exit offering. I'm going to ask that you come to this altar and you give a gift to our Global Mission Impact Ministries. Give a gift to missions. I don't think you're getting anywhere nearer to the heart of God than to give a gift to missions. And we have our Global Impact Partners. Here they are up on the screen. I want you to go ahead and roll that last cell up there, and it should be the last one. You don't have one after that? Okay, well. Here it is. Can everybody see that? Here it is. I wish I had my tablet attached to the system and I would just put it up for you right now that was supposed to be up there Wycliffe missionaries we have three families that are right here in our church 
that we support them $100 a month for their ministry. The Grand Prairie Food Co-op gets 5% of this gift that comes in today. The Lottie Moon Christmas Offering for International Missions gets 25%. In fact, for this old boy and his family, we're given a separate gift to Lottie Moon because we believe in global evangelization. And that's part of our Christmas giving to Christ this Christmas is we're going to give separately to that and another gift to these offerings of the other others. Annie Arm, Armstrong offering 15%. That's our home missions here in, through Southern Baptist efforts. We have our Mary Hill Davis offering, which is right here in the state, that gets 10% of this offering today. Our World Hunger offering gets 5% of that. Gladys Moore, our DBA Dallas Baptist Association will get 5% of that gift. Youth Direct, our ministry right here, through Don Smarto and his work here, will get 10% of that ministry. One for Israel will get 10%, those that are trying to reach the Jews for Christ. Also, the voice of the martyrs, people being slain all over this world because of no reason except they follow Jesus. will go to that to support persecuted Christians and those that have already died, but they need people like Voice of the Martyrs that will help. That's going to all be divided up to go to help those causes. First, let's pray. Father, I pray that as we come today to this invitation, we may need to respond to the invitation to life, to know Jesus Christ. I pray that you would just have us bow before you and come to know you, Lord, here in this service. Have them come forward, Lord, and let us us help guide them to where they need to be. And I ask, too, Lord, that you would just direct in the rest of this service as we give an offering. And, Lord, maybe our offering is just to our church. Is it uh, just a, a gift, a tithe here today? But, Lord, I pray that Many of us, if not most of us, will give a gift in this concrete way to Christ at Christmas, to missions and the, tw- the global impact ministries that we support. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.